Welcome back to the Greatness Blueprint. I'm your host, Luke Austin, and can't believe it, but we're already in week five, episode five. Time has gone incredibly fast. It's amazing how much work goes into every little episode. When I look at these large podcast episodes where they're doing two, three hour podcasts, it's incredible. Right? I put a week's worth of effort and I get 13 minutes worth of content. So it's definitely a learning journey for me. A lot of things that I want to continue to evolve. I know through today's episode, it's been just you and me. But as we move into episodes six through 10, I want to start bringing in some additional guests, other folks that can allow us to explore different parts of ourselves, different topics, and become more well-rounded in our pursuit for greatness. So look out for that. If you have interest in participating in an upcoming episode, or maybe even have a topic you'd like us to delve into, I'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to me on social media or at my email, luke at greatness-blueprint.com and we can start talking about how we can get you involved. So let's pivot to today. So today's topic, we're talking about something that we've all experienced in one way or another, and this is a topic of leadership versus management. I'll be sharing some of my personal experiences as a leader and as a manager, as well as my experiences being led and managed. We'll also touch on one of my favorite books that illuminates successful traits in leaders. And by the end of the episode, we'll delve into my top traits for a successful leader and the essential skills to be a successful manager. Finally, we'll wrap it up with a call to action to encourage us all to take these lessons we learned today and apply them in our own lives. So let's dive in. Episode five of The Greatness Blueprint starts now. Now, before we dive into talking about some different stories related to my personal experiences with different leaders and managers, I think it's important that we establish a baseline of what do we define as a leader and what do we define as a manager, right? Often these are used interchangeably, more specifically in professional environments, right? If you're in a workplace environment, typically your manager is kind of your leader, right? You know, while they have some overlap are fundamentally different. Right. So if I think of what a good leader is, I think of someone who inspires and really creates a vision for a group of people to go and and conquer that mission, that vision. Right. If, if you have a really strong leader, they're able to paint this light at the end of the tunnel for you so that your day to day actions within your work or within your team become easy. Right. It's not a daily grind. Well, if you look on the manager side, a manager is someone who is a little bit more reactive in nature, right? They respond to the changing day-to-day -day environment and are really more in control of someone. They're in control of a specific group or organization and are less, at least by definition, involved in the inspiration or vision creation of a group of people. So, before we dive into my specific example, I want you to take just 30 seconds and think about someone in your life that has been a great leader for you and how they made you feel. Now, as you think about this leader, what were the traits that they possessed? What were the things that they did to help you buy into their vision, the task that you were working on, right? the bigger picture vision for where you were headed? These are the important factors of a leader. All right. Do you have someone in mind? Perfect. So let's consider this. When we think of someone as a leader, 
right? We think of them as creating this impactful vision on us, right? Chasing something ambitious, being able to buy us into something that is bigger than ourselves. And to me, if I look at someone in the current space, the current world who is standing above many others in terms of being a leader, I think of Elon Musk, right? And why do I think of Elon Musk? Well, he's taking on all these ambitious projects and he started all these different companies who are doing things that have never been done. Tesla with the electric cars, SpaceX, right? Where they are landing and reusing these rockets and just thinking about things in a different way to allow us to get to a different endpoint. And it's not as if we say, hey, Elon Musk is managing us to space exploration with SpaceX, right? That's not the case. Elon Musk is leading the human race in its pursuit of space exploration. And to me, that's the difference between a manager and a leader. The latter, a leader, is inspiring. And the former is really just directing and controlling some of the day-to-day movements that may be on the path to the vision, but aren't inherently tied together. So now that we've talked a little bit about some of the definitions of, of how we define leader and management, and you've thought about someone in your life who you see as a leader, what are the things that they do? Have they inspired a vision with you? Did they make you feel like you were doing something that was bigger than yourself? Right, Those are the traits of a leader, inspiring you to do more than you think you can possibly do and buy into an incredibly powerful vision. So now that we've talked a little bit about the definition of a leader and a manager, we have that baseline, let's dive into a couple of my personal stories to help kind of tie it all together. And the first story I'm gonna tell today is me at Idaho State playing football again. And this was where I played college football. And by the time I had become a senior, I had had some success and was elected to be a team captain that year. And this was a great honor for me, something that I felt like I had worked really hard for. And at the time, you know, I thought I was doing a a good job as, as a leader on the team, right? I would lead by example. That was my best form of, of leadership at that stage in my life. But what I did not do, what I failed to do as a captain on that team, we had a, we had a really good team, a lot of really good talent but we didn't have someone helping create the vision for what our team could become. We didn't have someone trying to buy us into something bigger than ourselves, right? We were missing that piece. Sure, maybe I led by example, but that insinuating that it would help drive a vision to success was was incorrect, right? While leading by example has its place, I also needed to take it to the next step and say, hey team, we have all of these skills. We have all these great talent. Let's create a vision for how great we can be inspire people to play harder and be better than they can possibly be and drive that vision from within the team. And unfortunately, it didn't. Our team wasn't as successful as I think we could have been if we would have had that type of leadership vision within the locker room and something that I always have a little bit of regret on as I look back. And to segue that into my professional career, I used that reflection to say, look, I can lead by example. That's innate to who I am. But I also need to build the skill of vocalizing my leadership and creating that vision for the people within my team. And for some background, I've been at the same company for a decade since I graduated college from Idaho State University. And out of school, I landed a job as a client services analyst at this company called Clearwater Analytics, which we are a leading platform for institutional investors that help support their investment accounting and reporting needs for their large investment portfolios. 
And when I started, it was a very fast paced, growing startup tech company that had just opened its second office location in Scotland. And now we have many offices all over the globe. We're expanding into Europe and Asia. It's been fun and exciting and has given me a ton of professional opportunity to learn more about leadership and management along the way. So with that background, I want to dive into some of my experiences along this journey. And as I outlined in my stories from, from college, I was not always the most vocal leader, right? Someone who liked to lead by example, put in the hard work and bring others along for the ride with me. And about two years into my time at Clearwater, I had transitioned from my role as a client services analyst to an account manager. And I was now the face of these client relationships, had some additional responsibility and just more exposure and seniority within the team. You know, as I continued to do well in this role as an account manager, I started to elevate myself just as a, you know, a leader within the team. I would take time out of my day to train people within the team. I would send out knowledge share emails to the group and just find ways to add value to those around me. And before long, I was tapped on the shoulder. Luke, you know, we want you to take over the team as the team lead. And honestly, I was pretty shocked at the time. I was only 24 years old and still had so much to learn. I didn't feel like I was ready to be a manager of people that were either my age or older than me. And, you know, they had been peers to me for many years. But, you know, the challenge sounded really exciting and I took the job. And this team that I took over, we started at the very bottom, right? We survey our clients every year on their satisfaction. And when I took over the team, we were the lowest in the organization. But within a year, we had completely turned that around and held the highest customer satisfaction within the group. Now, none of that happened overnight, right? So what about that experience allowed this team to bounce back? I certainly did not have it figured out right away. So as a leader, what are some of the things that I learned along the way? And I want to point out some of my mistakes first. The first and most blaring mistake that I made as a team lead during my time there was I let a client leave the system, right? We had this new client. They were coming through implementation. My team ran those implementations. I had someone on the team running it and they had vocalized some concerns to me. The client did about the speed and the pace and the communication style that they were getting from this individual. I sat down with this person. We put together a plan. We got it back in a good state. I thought, great. He's learned his lesson. He's moving on. Unfortunately, I did not continue to oversee it in the way that I should have. That client ended up leaving the system and I ended up having to sit in the corner office with our CEO and the rest of the executive team to explain what had happened. Really a poor job of me just overseeing that relationship. And that was my first foray into management right? Managing people that maybe aren't as motivated to be successful and you have to have a little bit more control than maybe you would as a leader. Now, the second failure for me was letting people burn out, right? And this is something that, you know, I always have regrets on the people that have left my team. Obviously, they, they find opportunities that work for them. But to me, the biggest thing that led to people leaving the company was that they just were burned out with the work they did and they didn't feel tied into the vision of, that I had painted as a leader. So it was not staying in tune specifically to each individual enough to ensure that they were getting what they needed as a single individual versus making sure that the team as a whole is doing okay. So here's some other lessons that I learned as a leader and a manager. 
especially when you're taking over a team that you have been peers with before, right? If you're in a company for a while, you have all these peer groups, and then you end up taking over a management role where maybe some of those peers roll up to you, you have to draw the line in the sand, right? These old work friendships, they cannot get in the way of you being a manager, right? There are times when you're going to have to have hard conversations with your employees. You're going to have to talk about performance. And unless you draw that line in the sand early, it's always going to be blurry. Second is, like I talked about in my previous point, not everyone is managed the same way. For me, when I first took over this team, I thought, you know, everyone is a high performer. Everybody wants to be extremely successful. Everyone wants to do the best they can. And that's just not the same motivation for everyone, right? Not everyone wants to be the best at their specific role. They want to come in, they want to have a stable job, and they want to go home to their family. And that is okay. But you have to tailor your message as a leader and a manager to make sure you account for that nuance. Third, and it's kind of related, but don't assume everyone on your team is a high performer, right? Not everyone is going to be the best of the best, and that is okay. You have to find the strengths within your team, put people in places where they can be most successful, and still allow everyone to be high performing in their specific part of the team. Don't be afraid to fail and fire people fast. I think this is something that as leaders and as managers, we take very personal, especially when we're less experienced, right? It's kind of an ego hit to us to say, look, we hired this person onto the team. I believed in them when I hired them. They're not contributing what they want to, but I'm just going to keep hoping that they turn the corner, right? That is so detrimental to the team around you. Whereas you could just say, look, this isn't working. I made a mistake as a manager, own up to it end up letting go of that individual and your whole team will be better off and thankful for it. Fifth is feedback in the moment is the only feedback that should be given, right? And we'll do we'll do another session on feedback at some point, but as a manager, feedback is so important to give to your team to ensure that they understand where they're at in the moment, right? If something happens and you're like, "Man, why did they do that?" Talk about it in the moment with that person, right? That real-time analysis and pivot and conversation can't be substituted for a conversation a couple weeks down the line. It's just not the same. And so make sure that if you're giving feedback, you're giving it in the moment. Next one, this one might be a little bit controversial. There's a lot of people out there that love their their manager one-on-ones and, and scheduling time with their team. And while I think that those are valuable in some way, to me, being able to read your team's body language, say in a daily team meeting, is 10 times more valuable than a scheduled one-on-one, right? If you're able to pick up on somebody in team meeting, they're maybe a little bit short or terse, something's going on with them, pull them aside after the team meeting. Say, hey, I noticed you were you know, feeling a little bit off today. There's something that we can work through together. Just knowing that you're able to kind of read your team, understand that there's something that's a little bit off with them, and then pull them aside and talk to them about it can go a really long way. And then seven... Uh, most importantly, is building a culture, a vision, a common goal. To me, that's the most important part of being a leader and a manager, right? If you're able to say, sure, team, we have the lowest customer satisfaction of all teams within the company. This is going to be the best comeback story of all time. That buys people into the vision, right? The common goal of we can be the best team in this company. And here's the path that we get there. So that's a little bit of my experience as a professional and has allowed me to do a lot of things within the organization today. 
Now that we've talked a little bit about my personal experiences as a leader, I want to pivot to a book that has really helped influence me and my thoughts about leadership. And this book is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. This book is all about leading with empathy and establishing trust. And in this book, Simon Sinek outlines that true leadership is not about being in charge, but about taking care of those in your charge. The book proposes that a truly great team, really leaders create an environment where their people feel safe, allowing them to collaborate and work together. There are five key points from this book that I wanna to touch on today. First is the circle of safety. And within this book, Simon Sinek discusses the concept of this circle of safety, which is a protective bubble that leaders help create to make their teams feel safe. Feel safe to innovate, uh, cooperate, and execute their tasks without fear of punishment or retribution. And to tie this back to my own personal experiences, to me, this is so important. With a team that is maybe underperforming or not living up to their full potential, oftentimes it's because they don't feel safe in their day to day, right? They're not doing things that are getting them to that next level to get to a steady place. They don't feel like they're able to take those risks because there isn't that circle of safety. And so for me, one thing that I have done as a leader is one, admit my own failures, right? When I make a mistake, displaying that to the team saying, hey, look, this is a mistake that I made. This is the lesson I learned. It humanizes you as a leader and allows other people to say, hey, look, Luke made a mistake. He failed. I'm okay to do the same. And it's communicating that to the team. Say, hey, look, I know that I'm going to make mistakes. I know you'll make mistakes. I've got your back. The second point from the book that I want to cover today is sacrifice and empathy. And this is really saying that the best leaders are those who are willing to sacrifice their own comfort, maybe even their own survival if necessary for the good of those in their care. This sacrifice and empathy helps build trust and cooperation across the team. And if I look at my own personal experience again for this example, oftentimes as a leader, you're going to face tough times, right? Let's just say, for example, I had this client that they left the system and I had to go sit in the corner with my executive team to talk about what happened, right? And at that point, it's not the team didn't do it or this individual didn't do it. It's I, as a leader, did not do a good enough job with X, Y, and Z. And therefore, as a result of that, this happened, right? You have to be willing to dive on the sword for your team, still hold them accountable on the back end, but to the world, you are the face of this team. You are the leader of this team and you need to go to bat for your group as if you are. The next point that he makes in his book is that leadership is an infinite game. And what do I mean by an infinite game? I'll give credit to Alex Hormozzi, who's another content creator that I love following. But if you look at doing business, right, as an example, the goal is to not win at doing business. It's to stay in business. The goal of being married is not to win at being married, it's to stay married, right? That's an infinite game. The same applies to leadership, right? It's not about winning at leadership. It's about staying in a leadership mentality to continuously strive to be better. Creating this long-term vision, establishing a culture, these underlying fundamentals that can allow you to succeed for the long-term and not just for the short-term. The final point that I want to cover from Simon's book is the dangers of putting numbers first, right? And Simon Sinek warns us against the dangers of prioritizing just numbers and metrics over people, right? If we're too focused on the metrics, 
we deprioritize the innovation, the creativity, and the other factors that can really drive the long-term success of an organization. And I've seen this in my own organization, right? Where there's been a lot more scrutiny on metrics and, and numbers. And while I think that's really valuable, that only tells a portion of the story, right? You have to take into account, how do you make someone feel in your day-to-day, -day, right? Are you a great employee, but nobody likes working with you? Right. Those factors and the things that are maybe unwritten or not defined as metrics are also just as important. Finally, to wrap it up, I want to touch on two key quotes from this book. First is, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more and become more, you are a leader. And the second quote, we call them leaders because they go first, because they take the risk before anybody else does, because they will choose to sacrifice so that their people may be safe and protected. Two great quotes about being a leader, and hopefully it inspires you to take action and become a leader or refine some of your leadership qualities in your own day-to-day -day life. And again, look, leadership is an infinite game. The goal is not to win at being a leader. It's to keep playing the game, continue leading your team to the next new challenge, creating and inspiring other leaders, and continuing to aspire for greatness. Now that we've talked a little bit about my personal experiences, we talked a little bit about some of the lessons learned from Leaders Eat Last book from Simon Sinek, I want to wrap it all up together to outline my top five qualities that I believe makes a good leader and a good manager. It's not going to be everything that it takes to be a good leader and manager, but these are some of the top ones that I recommend. So first, if we look at the top qualities of a leader, I think the first is creating a vision, right? Creating a vision for greatness that others can buy into seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, seeing the overall big picture that allows them to feel like they're doing something bigger than themselves. Second is inspiration, right? Creating that unique inspiration to each individual that you're trying to get that vision bought into, right? You have to connect with them in a specific way to help create that path to the vision you created. Third is communication, right? You cannot create a vision by leading by example. That's a piece of being a leader, but communicating where you want the team to go, the culture that you want to establish, the things that you expect from your individuals on your team, that is important to being a leader. Fourth is empathy, right? Everyone you lead will be different. And in order to properly reach that broad of an audience, you must empathize with each and sell your message accordingly, right? It's going to be different for maybe a person with a family versus a person out of college your messaging and your ability to read people, your empathy has to differ from person to person. Fifth is decision-making, right? As a leader, are you quick and decisive and move with confidence? There are going to be times when you fail as a leader, but if you're stuck in decision-making, you're never going to reach and be successful. So being able to be quick, decisive, understand that you will make mistakes, failing fast, being okay with that, putting your ego to the side is an important part of being a leader. Next, the top five skills of being a strong manager. One is adaptability, right? The landscape of a manager is always changing. The team that I took over when I became the team lead at Clearwater was not the team that I was when it ended, right? We had new people on the team. A lot of people had gone on throughout the company and done different roles. We had new clients. And so being able to adapt to all those new changes, think on your feet and keep people motivated with these changing demands, it's an incredibly important part of being a manager. Second, and this is where there's a little bit of overlap with the leader quality, is communication. 
right? The biggest failure of a manager is not communicating your expectations with the team, right? If you expect them to do X, Y, and Z, you better have told them to do X, Y, and Z, right? Do not assume that they just know to do these things. And that is a very key trait of a manager. Third is delegation, right? A great manager does not do all the work, right? He puts people in a place, he or she puts people in a place to succeed when the time is right. It's like playing chess, right? Are you putting your team in the right place to be successful? Fourth is responsibility, right? As we talked about in the, the book from Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last, you have to create this circle of safety within your group, right? Regardless of what happens as a manager, you have to take responsibility for what your team is doing and then work with them to improve if there's failure and shine them up and say, XYZ created this when there is success, right? This is going to allow your team to grow. And last is an efficiency mindset, right? Are you always looking for ways to optimize your team, to get rid of the status quo? Really status quo to me is where, you know, teams go to die. And so are you continuing to find ways to innovate and keep your team at the forefront of, of the technology at your disposal? Again, these are not all of the qualities that it takes to be a good leader or a good manager. But to me, these are some of the most important that I've experienced and that, uh, really help drive success as a leader or a manager. So if there are others that you have on your end that you think are most important, I'd love to hear about those qualities. Please share them with me and we can have a conversation about the ways you've seen those be impactful in your life. We've covered a lot of ground in this episode. We've discussed the definitions of leadership and management. We've talked through some of my personal experiences and lessons learned as a leader and a manager. And then we've talked about some of the top qualities of a good leader and a good manager. I hope you'll take the time to reflect on these topics and consider how you can apply them to your own life. And remember, these small steps can lead to big changes. Now let's move on to this week's call to action, right? We've learned a little bit more about leadership and management, and many of us are leaders or managers in our own life. My ask of us all today is to go back into our own lives and think of an area in which maybe we're not quite fully at our full potential from a leadership or management perspective, right? Maybe we're leading by example today and expecting that that drives the vision for our team, right? Maybe we are being vocal, but maybe we're not taking as much responsibility as we could when things get tough, right? Take a look at your own life. Think of at least one of these areas where you can apply it to your life this week, right? Be vocal this week. Say, hey, look, I've been leading by example. Actually, this week, I'm gonna go and be vocal and start to paint the vision for my team, my family, whatever it is, right? Find a way to start to inspire and create a vision for those around you. These small steps will add up and drive you on your path to greatness. Thanks again for joining me on episode five of the Greatness Blueprint. We're looking forward to, like I said, bring in some guests, episodes six through 10. So if you have any interest on being on the show, you have any topics you'd like to cover, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, stay on your path, stay inspired, and above all, stay great. We'll see you soon.